I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. We are embarking on a, I think you could genuinely call this a unique theme month. Mm-hmm. We had the idea, or if this goes badly, I think I'll go ahead and own it. I think I mostly had the idea and you went along with it to do a good and bad Nicolas Cage month. Yeah, I, I think I had said at one point we could simply do our podcast as entirely Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> make, make, just do Nicolas Cage movies for a little while. Go through the entire canon. Yeah. So we had the idea that we would watch alternate back and forth good and bad Nicolas Cage. Now, this isn't scientific because if we haven't seen the movie, we don't know for certain. Before well, we it's based it, on subjective, you know. Well, yeah. This is a Rotten subjective determination. And general perception of the film. Yeah. Exactly. So this is Nicolas Cage, the good and the bad. And so we decided that it. Well, for two reasons, we decided to start off bad. One, because then we would end on a good movie, Mm. or hopefully end on a good movie, and we felt like we'd had a run of too many good movies lately, Mm -hmm. so we needed to intentionally inject something not so good. Yeah, yeah. We succeeded. The first movie in this theme month is the 2016 film USS Indianapolis Men of Courage. Now, we have to talk about how we all know this story, how almost everybody who wasn't alive at the time, came to know about this story, is from Jaws. Yeah. That wonderful monologue from Robert Shaw, where he talks about his experiences on the Indianapolis, which was a destroyer that, after delivering the parts for the atomic bomb used on Hiroshima, was sunk by a Japanese submarine, and many of the crew members were killed by sharks. About just under three quarters, there was... I have the numbers. Wasn't around a quarter killed when in the initial sinking when the boat was torpedoed? So there was 1,195 men aboard. There was uh, roughly 300 that went down with the ship. Okay. And then a total of uh, uh, only 316 total survived. Oh, wow. So of the 1,195 men on board, more than 800 died. Wow. I'm principally from sharks. Uh, so of the men who died in the water, so there was roughly 895 men that went into the water. And of those, you know, there was only 316 left. So roughly 500. I mean, the number of them would have died just from exhaustion, dehydration, yeah. things of that nature. But a lot of them were but killed the by sharks. Shark food. A lot, yeah. And, I mean, the sharks, even as men died and started to sink, they were feeding on, on those as well. And it was a massive frenzy. It's It's been speculated that this is easily the largest single shark attack incident in history. Wow. So. And it's such a dynamic story that when it's told by Robert Shaw, that, I, I you know, I almost can remember watching that for the first time and being like, hey, this is real? This really happened? Yeah. Well, and almost just being amazed. telling of it. Yeah. I mean, any telling of this is, there's parts of it that, you know, I guess we should clarify, there's, there are some things that are accurate in this movie, yeah. but this movie is not good. Well, see, see, this, it's it's got such a great story, you know, it's one of the truly memorable stories, this could have been a fantastic movie. Absolutely. But it's not. It should have probably been a fantastic movie. Yeah. There's a myriad of reasons as to why it isn't, but, you know... It, I guess we'll get into that later. Yeah, there's so many things in this movie to mock and make fun of and that were very poorly executed, and including the very opening sequence 
which looks like it's literally just someone recorded, you know, their own screen from playing a video game on a computer. Well, I commented the, the this is a 2016 release and special effects seem like they're from 2001. Yeah. And not the Space Odyssey good version, like 15 year out of date. The kind of special effects you would see in some sci-fi channel movie of the week. Yeah. It's it's bad. It's like embarrassingly bad special yeah. effects. Or on a, like a Discovery Channel documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was bad. And the aspects of this that they chose to try and focus on from like a human interest perspective also were not good. They're all flat. This is a very flat movie. Yeah. I mean, I made note of what is the the point of the Lost Ring storyline. And they pay it off at the end of the movie. Kind of. Who knows if it's even remotely accurate. It's the actual story is far more compelling than any yeah. of the human interest things that they try to they, set up. They, they add a so they have this love triangle storyline that's just like warmed over from Pearl Harbor. Yeah, <laughs> and it it doesn't work. None of the secondary stories work, and they're supposed to make you sympathetic to these characters, and they just don't. And I I honestly you. This movie could could have been done well. Like there could have been some compelling stories among these characters. They could have been better characters. They could have been better actors. There's just nothing there. It's yeah. just it's just flat. The principal person in this film that we follow is Nicolas Cage as Captain McVeigh, who was the captain of the USS Indianapolis. And most of the film is is watching Nicolas Cage's character. We also have Tom Sizemore playing his character name as McWhorton, McWhorter. It was the only, one of the few things that I enjoyed about this movie was it was nice to see Tom Sizemore again. Mm-hmm. You know, after he went through his drug issues, you know, people wondered if we'd ever see Tom Sizemore again. It was, it was nice to see him in a film. In this film, he's addicted to his foot. <laughs> well, he, he still uses in this movie because he's got plenty of uh, uh, yeah, he plenty of morphine. morphine. You got you got morphine was his first question to the captain. Yeah. Tom Sizemore, for anyone who's not familiar with him, is known principally for Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down. Great roles in both of those so movies. So this is kind of typecasting of, of Tom Sizemore. Yeah, I mean, he was typecast quite a bit, and I'm looking at his filmography now. He's been making other films. A lot of them are relatively low-budget films. And it looks like he's got quite a bit of stuff that's scheduled to come out in 2021. But yeah, I'm, I think Tom Sizemore's great, so it was nice to see him again. We have Thomas Jane playing Lieutenant Adrian Marks. You have Matt Lanter playing Bama. James Remmer playing Admiral Parnell. Brian Wesley playing Waxman. Yataka Takayuchi plays Hashimoto, who is the captain of the Japanese submarine that sinks the USS Indianapolis. Emily Tennant plays the woman. Is that really her character? No, but there's okay. she's, she's basically the woman in the movie. Yeah. Her actual character name is Clara. Yeah, there was a few other recognizable names, but nobody else plays any significance in, you know, in this actual film in terms of like a character-wise or anything like that. This was your first time seeing this film, Nate. What did, what did you think of it? Blah. Yeah. Is this as, one you think as I put said, into a repertoire? No, as I said, and I keep saying it's just it's just really flat. Like it wasn't even like fun as a bad movie, except for some special effects shots. 
and the occasional line of dialogue that was just really off. Yeah. But there wasn't enough of that to make this like a, a riff movie move. You know, you wouldn't want to get a bunch of people together and watch this movie make fun of it because you'd get too bored. I think your favorite part in terms of doing that was the two guys in the jail cell and making references to Bad Lieutenant yeah. called New Orleans yeah. and Nicolas Cage getting them out of their jail cells. But mm. this movie does end on a little bit of a high note going back and, and dealing with some of the aftermath, which is, is interesting. It shows... This is the problem with this movie. Too much before and too much after. Like, it should have been almost entirely on the boat. Like, I I would basically get... If I were to make a movie like this, there'd be little to no pre-boat sequence. It might just be them leaving the island after they dropped off the bomb. And then you'd probably want to do some wrap-up stuff because there's some interesting stuff that happens afterwards. Yeah. But... It's amazing. I mean, this movie is about two hours and ten minutes long. And it both feels really long, and it also feels kind of short. Because so much of it is... Junk. Junk. And they're just sitting out there in the water. And you don't care enough about them for it to be exciting or to feel really invested. Yeah, and you just watch people getting picked off. And that's part of what actually makes this movie bad is... The portrayals of people dying at sea are just awful. Like the one guy that gets his head bitten off by the shark jumping out of the water whereas he goes to to vomit. And, you know, it's... And there's that one scene where they're showing the side of the shark and the effects are like, oh, pretty good, pretty good. And then when it shows the mouth of the shark, it's almost like... It's a totally different shark. It's, it's almost like it was an effect that was inserted to like... Uh, a scene holding effect and we'll get the nice cg rendered shark in here later and here's like the bare bones thing yeah. like it it made me laugh it was just so out of place well and it's it's almost disrespectful to what actually happened and and it's bad and they use the wrong type of sharks like they set up the whole preamble of this movie they're shutting up great whites and reality is is that we don't even know that there was any great whites there. There might have been some great whites there, but very few, if any. It was primarily white tip sharks and tiger sharks that that killed all the men. Mm-hmm. And they never they never told us which character was Robert Shaw, so I didn't have him to root for. Indeed, that that was a letdown. Mm. Yeah, the, like I said, this movie does end on a little bit of a somber note, and it's mostly historically accurate. It shows the trial of Captain McVeigh. He was court-martialed for two charges. One was not ordering the abandoning of ship fast enough, and the other was putting the ship at risk by not zigzagging, you know, to evade potentially Japanese submarines. They also never warned him that there had been a a boat sunk in the same area that same week or the week before, so he had no idea exactly what level of peril he was facing. He was acquitted of the charge of, found not guilty of the charge of not having ordered his men to abandon ship fast enough and was found guilty of, of hazarding the ship by not zigzagging. He later was exonerated, but he was, he and his family were tormented, he and his wife. They would get phone calls, you know, people saying terrible things. They, mm-hmm. they received mail that said terrible things, you know, and then Captain McVeigh, ended up committing suicide in his front yard he had his navy issue pistol and a toy soldier in his hand and was found in the oh, front yard by a gardener 
But then after his death in the 90s, he was acquitted. In 2000, by President Clinton. 90, I believe it was actually 99. No, they said October 2000. Well, that's when Clinton... So, there's actually two parts to this. So, that's when Clinton signed onto the bill, but it was actually passed by Congress, I believe, in 99. Or that's when they debated it. But it was a resolution of Congress that exonerated him, and then Bill Clinton eventually signed on to it. And I just don't get how you could say this guy hazarded his boat. Because I didn't see him use it to avoid Boss Hogg. Wow. But interestingly, Cap- or the yeah, Mr. Captain Hashimoto of the Japanese Navy testified both at his court-martial and before Congress later on wow. when he was exonerated. That's one of the better scenes in this movie. Yeah. Is just the, I mean, what that would have been like, because this is in December of 45, in front of Congress. You know, this is... What, August is when the war ended? So this is five months out. And they have this commander of a Japanese submarine testify in front of Congress and brought in by kind of sleazy politicians that are looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. It's like they would put the enemy up to get rid of this guy who, it wasn't his fault. They just needed someone to blame. And in reality, anyone involved in that operation should be considered yeah. pretty much a hero. So I mean, that's a good story. I mean, somebody other than Nicolas Cage in, in a more talented hands. The director, the direction in this, again, it's it's flat, it's bland. It is uh, directed by a man Mario Van Peebles. Who is best known because of his father, who was the director and photographer Melvin Van Peebles. One of the founders of black exploitation cinema with his film Sweet Sweetback's Bad Song. Wow. Will that make the cut? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I might just edit it, the one word. Yes, but it'll make the cut. But yeah, it's there's a lot to be desired from this, this movie. Nice. I almost feel like it would have been better not to have made this in terms of its depiction of the events. I'd say it was a letdown if I didn't know it was going to be bad going in. Yeah. So the survivors of the USS Indianapolis at first kind of had some sporadic reunions, and then it was once every two years, and then eventually they started having annual reunions. The last reunion that I could find information on was 2017, and only seven survivors made it to the reunion. I I did see uh, reportedly that in 2017 there was still 20 survivors alive of the 316, but only seven were able to make it to the reunion. They vote, evidently, at each reunion as to whether or not to hold another reunion. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I did not see any information as to whether they have ever held another one since. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's, it's a, it is a compelling story. It's a fascinating story. Poorly told. Very poorly told mm-hmm. in this film. So, how would you rate this film, Nate? Oh, it's not good. I'm going to give it one and a half on a four-star scale and two two or three on, on the ten. Yeah. I'm going to give this one on the four-star scale, and I gave it probably mostly on the strength of the ending. I gave it four on the ten-star scale. Mm. Though that it also seems generous. Because mm. this just was not... It was not well done. No. So, are we recommending this to our audiences? No, we are not. <laughs> going to. We're going to recommend that our audiences watch Jaws. Yeah. They'll yeah. get a better experience of this story. Although there was a couple of iconic scenes from Jaws, like semi-recreated in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Anyways, I think that wraps up for this episode, unless you had something else. No. Yep. Oh, box office. Oh, yeah. I did take a look at this. This uh, this was uh, what one would call a horrendous disappointment. This had an estimated budget of $40 million. Where did they spend that? Because it certainly wasn't on the effects. Yeah. All I'm seeing, I'm not seeing like an opening weekend, but what I see on, on its worldwide gross is that it brought in $2.1 million. I know. That's really not very good. There was some kind of scam. This movie was a scam. Like that <laughs> money. It's a, a, a money laundering operation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was released in October of 2016. I don't see why that shouldn't have done better. Its Metacritic st- score through IMDb is 30. Yeah. With a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Speaking of Metacritic scores, do you know what I heard this week? What? Citizen Kane no longer has... Yeah, Paddington 2. It no longer has a 100% rating, or Metacritic rating. How about that? Did you hear why? Paddington 2. Is that what the name of the... No, that's not the name of the critic. No, Paddington 2 now has a higher IMDb or critic Metacritic? score. Really? Than, yeah. It's probably That's crazy. Paddington 2. Well, so I listened to, I heard about this through a podcast I was listening to, and it was IMDb's trying to dig up older, especially in older movies, the critic reviews of it. Uh-huh. And they found a, they found a old critic review written under a pseudonym, Matt... I, nay. Or Matt Nay. Okay. And he said that he didn't he didn't care for the use of shadows in the film, which of course is what it's ultimately famous yeah, for. Yeah. And I forget what else he claimed. That Greg Tolan's a hack. Yeah. I forget what else he uh, complained about in the movie, but that's the one review that messes up its 100% Metacritic rating. Uh-huh. Kind of interesting movie stuff. I think they should just go ahead and correct that and make it back to 100 yeah <laughs> that one's kind of on imdb not on, on not on the movie so mandy and the rock is the other ones we were looking at are we going to announce what ones we're going to do because no i wanted change. to know okay what are yeah. we doing next week conair Con- oh yeah, yeah you know i knew someone that liked that movie so much they named their kid after him. connor <laughs> hey, at least I've got an outtake for the episode. You ready? Mm-hmm.